It's a tricky industry, rumoured to have the highest failure rate of all new businesses. Yet Cork has seen a number of new restaurants being opened in recent months. One of them by arguably the country's best-known chef. So how is Rachel's doing? Let's find out from the boss herself. I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business. The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy. Also coming up... With every negative that you give, you've got to give three positives. So this generation expect to be have regular feedback. Why we should be patient and tolerant with millennials in the workplace. As everything moves online, why Cork now needs a digital strategy and... It would be very easy for me to sit in my office and look out and count the cranes every day as a numerical measure and say that we're being very successful, but I would be very concerned that that would not translate into actually a sustainable solution. We ask why Dublin has 70 cranes and Cork has only five. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Want to simplify how you work? Combine all your lines of communication with Vodafone One Net Business. And first up on Red Business, we are out and about on Washington Street in the restaurant of the lovely Rachel Allen. Rachel, hello. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? I'm very well. How is this little venture going? Because when I spoke to you last Mm -hmm. on the radio, you were in the middle of it. You were very stressed. Now that it's open a couple of weeks, has the stress gone away? It's calmed down quite a lot. Well, what that kind of stress. Now it's just just like having another child, really. Yeah, quite a demanding one, but, but good. More demanding than your existing children. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what's it been like? Because this is your first restaurant venture. Yes. Is it all that you expected it to be? It's really great. You know, we actually have just been so lucky with the team of people we have here. That's the biggest thing, um, undoubtedly. But so it's been, re- it has been, I'll say fun, hard work and fun, you know, slightly relentless, but fun. <laughs> You'd never done this before. I mean, it's funny that when people think of Rachel Allen, they think of the books, they think of Ballymaloo and all the different things that you've done over the years, but you'd never done a restaurant. I mean, why had you taken so long to get into it? I always said I was never going to open a restaurant. Um, I don't know. You know, it was actually, and um, a couple of opportunities have come up before um, with regards to a restaurant, but... I always just said, no, 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 not interested in this, not interested in this. I was like my husband asked me to come and see this space. Um, what? I suppose nearly a year ago now. And for some reason, I don't know, I must have just been... A weak moment. Kind of having a weak moment on that day. I walked in and I said, oh, wow, I love, I love the space. So it was kind of the space mm. that just got me and something just, I was suddenly just a bit excited yeah, just a very a, weak moment. A very weak moment, but it was a weak moment that worked out well. Now, when the restaurant is full, I mean, how often are you here? Because you're a busy woman. I mean, are you, do you get to call in most weeks or...? Oh, uh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. I'm actually, I'm filming at the moment, so I'm out of the, countries for a few, out of the country for a few days at a time, every 10 days. Um, but then apart from that, I see Isaac, my husband, so he'll, he'll bring in the fish for the day from Ballycotton, um, or I'll bring something in from the farm. But one of us will come up earlier in the day and be here and then come home and then either one of us are here or both of us or we can kind of make it make it work so this, you know, is, this isn't the idea of rachel's name goes above the door and rachel comes in once a year waves at everybody and leaves your hands on no no it's it's not like that but we do have we, our chefs are fantastic Anne zager she's our head chef you know Anne heads up the kitchen um really well so while i'm in earlier in the day 
I don't get involved in the service that night. I'm out front okay. at night if I'm here. So yeah. what is it like to be on that, uh, that sharp end of the customer service? Because people will see you, they get a little starstruck, there's Rachel Allen off the telly, and they're, then they're trying to order their, order their food. I mean, is that awkward for you? Do you find that a little odd? No, I think I'm just always, um, I just look at everyone's plates and I'm just thinking, why haven't they eaten all this steak? Was something wrong with that? Was something wrong with the fish? What's, so I tend to be- Do you get paranoid? Yes. Absolutely, I do. I just, you know, I want everyone to have a lovely time. I love it when I'm in here and the atmosphere is great and, and you know, people are really enjoying the food and the place. So that's, that's really important to me and I really want people to enjoy it. And from a business perspective, because, you know, this is a business at the end of the day, if people don't come in, you don't make money and the restaurant doesn't succeed. Is it busy? I mean, it seems to be quite hard to get a table here a lot of the time. It has been really good and busy, actually. It's been really busy. Um, and of course, a lot of that is probably curiosity, you know, at the beginning. Um, but we've been having a lot of repeat customers, thank goodness. So I'm very grateful to all of them for coming back. Well, if it didn't happen, <laughs> they, they, they exactly. wouldn't spread the word. Do you look at the trip advisors or yeah. the restaurants and uh, the restaurant guides? Do you, do you do that or do you avoid? Well, I'd be a fool not to. I'd be a fool, a fool to avoid them completely. Um, I do look at them and I just have to try and, um, well, I'll, I'll read the comments and if I think they're, they're very fair comments, then of course I, I mean, I look, I'll look into, you know, all of them, but, um, you know, some people, um, some people will put up very constructive criticism. Yeah, but there's I think nasty that's really ones good. out there as well. Oh, and there are nasty ones, absolutely. But I do, you know, absolutely, like constructive criticism, we all, we all need it, you know, in every, form of our life so I think actually when people will say oh I found that took too long or that 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 when well, then you know then that comes straight back in here and we talk about it. Now the real acid test of course has Dorina been in and has she sampled? Yes she came in on the first day as well anyway yeah yes and, and Mrs Allen my grandmother-in-law. Myrtle was in as well Myrtle so therefore I mean, of that, all actually, the critiques that you had to worry about you were watching the two of them. Did they enjoy? They did. They really, really did. Actually, that was really lovely that they did. My mum, um, actually on the opening night as well, my mum got the train down from Dublin to come down. So actually, yeah, and we're about to have our um, our cookery school, our Ballymaloo uh, Christmas party. We always have it a few months late because it's a busy Christmas. So we'll be having our Christmas party here as well. So that, <laughs> In the summer. <laughs> in the summer. It, that makes sense. Um, now that you have one, Rachel, is there a temptation to do another? Are you mad? <laughs> no, there is absolutely no temptation at the moment. Why am I even saying at the moment? No, no, sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> you're giving yourself some room for manoeuvre there politically. <laughs> so you're saying definitely not yet? No, I just, um, I'm still busy teaching at the cookery school at Ballymaloo and I've just finished writing a book. I, I'm just, I don't want to spread, spread myself any thinner. Yeah. So for now, Rachel's, the one and only, is open. I just can't help but notice the massive pitchfork that's on the wall here. What's that used for? Is that for chasing customers you don't like? Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, I absolutely love this. This is, um, actually, this is my, I think, my favourite part of the restaurant. And um, it's a huge, big pitchfork sculpture that was created, actually, by an artist, an Irish artist, Patrick O'Reilly. And um, it was on exhibition in the golf course at Ballymaloo last summer. And this was when we were just talking about the restaurant, thinking, shall we go for it? Shall we? What, what do we do? And I just saw the pitchfork in the golf course. And I was like, my husband, we were, when we were looking at it at the same time, we both just looked at each other and said, 
wow, that would be fab to have in the restaurant. So we kind of opened the, the restaurant really on the basis of having it's a pitchfork It's, it's in about here. 12 foot of a pitchfork. No, it's um, nearly 30 foot. 30 foot? Yeah. Okay, that shows you my percep that <laughs> perception is lacking a little something. Uh, can I just finish up by asking you? Actually, it's, yeah, sorry, 30. Yeah. You mentioned Myrtle, you yes. mentioned Doreen, yourself. Yes. Your kids must be looking on going, do I have to be a cook? Well, actually, Josh, my son, has been um, working in the kitchen here. Really? Yeah, but now he's gone back to the farm at Ballymaloo. I think um, he was... He was, yeah, maybe missing the farm a bit. So do we have another, and potentially the first male Alan to break into the cookery area? <laughs> I don't know who it'll be, Scarlett. Oh, Scarlett, our daughter, who's eight. Um, her teacher said to me just after the restaurant opened, her teacher said, Miss um, Fletcher said, oh, I heard um, what Scarlett was saying about, you know, um, that she's not going to be able to make it to school very much now anymore. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, oh, well, that she's going to be busy working in the restaurant, so she won't be able to come to school very much. At least they didn't get a signed note, so presumably the teacher yeah. smelt the rat. Yeah, she did, she did. Rachel, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the thank time you. and the best luck at the restaurant. Jonathan, thank you so much. And I really just thank you to everyone who's been coming in and, and having a lovely time. And <laughs> Long way they come. Yeah, thank you. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Combine all your lines of communication and simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. So, Marathon Industries, give me a breakdown. It's a B2B company that provides uh, cloud storage for Fortune 500 companies. Chet, what did the market research turn up? What? Oh, I googled them, but the results were weird. You didn't use the market research database that we spent thousands of dollars a month on and that you were specifically trained to use. I quit. This job is different than I thought it would be. Stop. Does this situation look familiar? A new type of worker has entered the workforce. They're called millennials, and they're terrible. Today, I'm going to teach you all about this new breed of worker so you can avoid misunderstandings in which you feel the need to fire them immediately. Ah, the poor misunderstood millennial. There are a lot of abusive names for young people joining the workforce now. The snowflakes, the internet generation, or my personal favourite, the boomerang generation, all because so many of them have moved back in with mom and dad. Now, such is the need to understand these mysterious creatures that we need an expert. Lisa Smith, an expert on millennials, gives us the top five things we need to know. At five is regular feedback. And the reason for that is we need to engage correctly with today's generation. And when we say regular feedback, it really does work in line with communication. Because if you're giving regular feedback and you're not communicating it correctly, you're still doing it incorrectly. So regular feedback, but being, you know, being positive. And um, whatever negative that you give, you've got to give three positives. So this generation expects to be have regular feedback. At four. Number four is performance management. So yes, we are a generation that wants to develop very quickly. So we need to see performance management from the day we walk into a business. So making sure that you have the right tools and programs in place to allow this millennial to feel like they're going on a journey and feeling that they're part of an asset as well as the company. So performance management is very, very key. At three. Now, a lot of companies that I work with today will tell me that they have amazing culture, but nobody really understands what the definition of culture means to a millennial. What it essentially means is to make sure that there's a team environment, but there's opportunity to develop themselves. Number two. Key of it all, communication. 
What I mean by communication doesn't mean like, how was your weekend? How did you get on? Essentially, it means making sure that, that person feels like he's a valid member of the team. That he's not just a little fish in a big pond, but he's making a difference to the company on its journey. And the number one most important thing we need to know about millennials is... Equip your frontline managers because millennials don't leave companies, but they leave their managers. That's why we're seeing a high attrition in Ireland. So make sure that your millennials are or your frontline managers are trained to be able to communicate and engage with the today's generation. Yeah, I know a lot of you don't go along with that, but I put it to Lisa that millennials seem to be a needy pain in the arse. And I asked her whether that was a fair description. It's actually not because uh, that's just a perception. And everybody, I mean, we have our own perceptions of what baby boomers are like, but we don't get an opportunity to talk about that. Um, but in true sense, it's it's not. Uh, they are very demanding, multitasking type of people. Um, and they do expect to grow very, very quickly. So whose fault is it that they're like this? Is it the millennials themselves or is it their parents? Lisa has a theory. There's a lot of helicopter parenting when it comes to millennials, and we're seeing that slightly change with Gen Z. So um, we're seeing a lot of a lot more millennials starting getting into the trends of what we see in Gen Z. We won't talk about Gen Z today because it's a whole different topic. But um, yeah, majority of parents out there uh, that are to millennials are baby boomers. So you'll find a lot of baby boomers have the exact same traits now. And before you dismiss the idea of a millennial expert, it's worth noting that Lisa's company, Engage Smith, has secured 400 grand in funding to expand internationally and to develop online training courses to help firms retain their younger staff. So that's at least one millennial that's thinking. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Combine all your lines of communication and simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. How much of your business do you do online these days? How much shopping do you do online? The answer is probably a lot. Globally, the digital economy is worth a whopping $20 trillion. But guess what? We don't currently have a digital strategy for Cork. There's a conference to discuss this gap on May 30th. It's organised by Corkman Kieran O'Hay, who previously had the fancy title of Chief Digital Officer of Brisbane. Cork as a region contributes 17% um, of, of national GDP, approximately. Um, it's been a merchant city trading for 200 years, um, so it's got to that point. The digital economy is approximately 20 years old, so a tenth of that is already contributing 6% of GDP, so a third of what Cork is, is providing. So really it's just any, any city needs to consider the impact of the digital economy. I mean, to, to, to ignore it and just to continue with uh, traditional kind of economic development plans which don't feature uh, digital economy is, 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 is short-sighted, I think, and uh, it needs to be addressed through uh, a digital strategy. If you're interested in going to that event, tickets for the May 30th event are free. Just Google a Cork digital strategy is vital and you'll get all the details. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Teams work better when you simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. Sometimes I get a little obsessed about weird things and one of those weird things are cranes. When you go to Dublin, you can't but be struck how many of them there are. Some 70 at last count. And here in Cork, well, there are less, way less. I can count five, two on Anglesey Street, two up at Apple and one on the Western Road that only went up in the last few days. I've been speaking with Anne Doherty of Cork City Council about 
what that lack of craneage says about Cork compared with Dublin. I think it's important that we future-proof because uh, unfortunately in the cycles of economics uh, there will be ups and downs and that it's very important that what we do is actually future-proofed and so therefore the important things of maintaining what are the added value of coming to Cork for companies and then for the people who live in Cork is about quality of life. It is about having the relationship with the universities from a skills perspective and having very good quality public space because it would be very easy for me to sit in my office and look out and count the cranes every day as a numerical measure and say that we're being very successful but I would be very concerned that that would not translate into actually a sustainable solution because if we don't put the foundation stones in place for the things that maintain attractiveness we will fail. So for me, the work that we've been doing on promoting and developing the brand of Cork as a place to live, work and to play from a city perspective is very, very important and all our policies are geared around that. Now, Anne Doherty makes the valid point that Cork shouldn't be compared with a capital city like Dublin, but she says it's well-placed as a quality second city. And in fact, there are lots of positives. Cork either has committed to or there have been talks about one million square foot of new office space. One Albert Quay is already full and parts of the neighbouring and unbuilt navigation house are already under offer. So the question is, where does the city go next? We have substantial development opportunity in the south docks of this city. Um, It's uh, something that is an asset that we've been talking about for a very long time, but we now have that very strong and visible signal of investment to help us start opening up that land. Obviously, the development of Porky Cueve and our own commitment to develop Marina Park at the further end, you know, bookends that with what's happened in Albert Quay. And is that going to rival what has happened in the Docklands in Dublin. Is Cork trying to mirror that? I think Cork's playing to its strengths. We have a very strong connection with the water right throughout the city, uh, from from the island, uh, both channels, and out into the port. So I don't think we're trying to mirror. I think we're trying to play to our strengths. Um, We have to move with what's uh, the desire of the market as well, and obviously waterfront activity, uh, sorry, waterfront development is very attractive, but it is an asset there to be used. It's a brownfield development, and that puts some people off but I think that the work we'll be able to do with this funding and also in partnership with the private sector will actually bring a whole new opportunity to um, the city and we know that companies want and people want to be in in quite downtown locations. So the shape of Cork City is going to change a lot with those developments built all the way along the river towards Parky Cueve. So that's an area that's going to look a lot better than what's there now. But let's go back to my obsession with cranes and lack thereof. The one that would really signify the next phase for Cork would be the crane that goes up over the conference centre on the old Beamish site. That project is stalled as the developers look for 12 million extra off the government in funding. What does Anne Doherty make of that delay? 
I share the frustration and the concern about the reputational damage for the city and for everybody involved, including the developer and Live Nation, as a consequence of the continuous public discourse about this, often and sometimes not well informed, and that's not the fault of those who are contributing. It is a very complicated project, and I know that sounds like red tape-itis again, and it's not meant to be, but it is a complicated project. Um, it's not anything that's ever been done in the world, um, according to Live Nation, because we're building something that's unique, and therefore every inch of the design process has thrown up new challenges that weren't envisaged because of this requirement to go from convention to theatre to um, to massive concert, maybe within two days, and the, 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 the type of design that's required for that has never been done before. So they're the types of things that are causing the frustration. Of course I'm frustrated. I'd love it was here tomorrow, but equally I would hope that um, I'm not left looking at the good citizens of Cork and the elected members of Cork City Council saying, because in the haste to meet deadlines, we built the wrong thing. My thanks to Anne Doherty and all my other guests and thank you for listening. The new podcast goes up every single Wednesday. You'll find it at redfm.ie and keep the emails with your ideas coming. The address, redbusiness at redfm.ie Don't forget the five tips to keep those millennials happy. The poor lambs need the reassurance. Catch you next time. There he sits inside your local coffee shop Sporting a man bun in facial hair Somehow he believes, although he has no job, that by his 30s he will be a millionaire. M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L, gotta love millennials. M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L, gotta love millennials. She posts lots of selfies on her Instagram. Hopes to change the world while wearing yoga pants Armed with her dreams and knowledge of essential oils Business with Jonathan Healy. Never miss an opportunity when you simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today.